Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. We're in our second week of our, our Christmas series here, uh, The King Has Come, and, uh, and, and we're looking at really specifically the story of Mary today. And, uh, as, as, as you read that story, you know, probably all of us have had, anybody here ever been like surprised by somebody, they walk into a room or they, they do a surprise party for you and you're just like, you're taken back in the wrong way. Anybody ever uh, shocked uh, with somebody just kind of like, hello, or whatever they, they do for you there. I remember one time Sarah and I came from, I think we were in Nebraska living and we came down to visit my mom and it was a holiday break. Uh, she was getting out of school so we, they put us in a trunk and they drove uh, they drove us to, uh, to her school, uh, and then she opened the trunk, and we popped out. I thought, we're going to send mom to heaven, but uh, we had those shocking moments, and, and so we're looking today at Luke uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 26. We're going to look at it in three different sections real quickly here, but uh, the first one there is this, what I just titled, a, a heavenly hello, as, uh, as Mary uh, you know, runs face to face, and it runs right, right in the face of this angel here. It says this, we'll pray after I read this first little section here. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her, so an angel from heaven, we don't even, I mean, it was probably a, a sight to see. Because Gabriel's like one of, the, one of the top dogs, right? So he's probably like the best looking dude there, uh, angel dude, whatever that would be. And, and he appears to her and he says, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. I mean, it's a pretty sweet setup here. He's like, I might scare her to death, so I'm going to let her know, Greetings, hello, uh, the Lord's with you. This is not like I'm coming to take you home or, or we're, we're going to end this. He's saying, hey, God's on your side. I know this is uh, really unique. Uh, you're 14 years old, uh, and, and I know that you're, 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 you're not like the daughter of a king. You're not like some dignitary. You're probably wondering, why is this angel here? And so he kind of gives her a, a, a sweet little setup here, has compassionate comfort for the moment, because uh, probably a lot of us, when that person like jumped out of the, you know, out of the room, out of the closet or something to, to freak us out. And they said, ah, like that. We, we weren't very comforted. Uh, so uh, it's nice. He kind of set it up nicely there. And, and really it sets up our big idea today of looking at this incredible trust we can have in, in our Heavenly Father, in this God who, who became one of us to save all of us and, and is walking us into a growing trust in Him. He's fully trustworthy, but He knows we're not there yet. That we're in process. And so it, the big idea today is that we can, we can trust him with your heart. We can, we can trust him with our hearts. You can trust him with the, the life of your family and, and the hearts of your kids and your loved ones. You can trust him with every aspect of your life. That's what we're looking at today. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. You're faithful to us when we're unfaithful to you. You're unfaithful to us, or you're faithful to us when, we're, when, we're, when we don't know you. You're, you're faithful to us uh, as you're making us into the very image of Jesus. You're, you're just consistently faithful to us. And you cannot go against your word. You're not a man that you would lie. And, and so you lead us and you love us and you transform us. You pursue us prior to knowing you. And then you pursue us as we know you. You are trustworthy. And so help us to step into trusting you. Whatever we're going through. 
whether it's a year that it has been or it's a, a future that it looks like and we're not sure or it's something we're walking through with our health or our relationships or uh, the, the, the state of our, our home, uh, something we're, 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 we're dealing with. Help us to step into trusting you because you are good and you are faithful and you love us more than we could ever even fathom. So would you speak to us today? Would you work miracles in our lives today? Would you, would you move in our hearts today? Would you help us to, to be able to come before you and say, here, here it is. Here's my struggle. I turn it over to you and I, and I, and I want to trust you in this. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Verse 29 goes on to, to say this. After he says, the Lord is with you, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think. <laughs> Anybody ever try to think? You're like, I, I don't even know if I can think right now. I mean, that's a, that's a cool saying. I mean, we can all go, I've been there. Like, sometimes we put Mary up there and we're like, she's so high and mighty. And, and, and I mean, some, some religions even make her a deity. And, and then we think of her as this person who never did anything wrong. It's like, she's just standing there trying to think, right? So Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. I mean, like, I'm a 14-year-old virgin, she's thinking. Don't be afraid, Mary, because he knew she was trying hard to think. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Huh. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Hmm. I mean, can you imagine just what she's taking in? And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. You see, what God's telling her there is, I keep my promises. That promise I made that, Mary, you know about from Genesis 3.15, that promise from, from the garden when mankind blew it and sin entered the world and rebellion became the, the thing that happened on planet Earth, I made a promise in Genesis 3.15 that I would send one that would be born of a human just like everyone else. And the enemy would bite his heel, but he would crush the enemy with that heel that got bitten. That was the Genesis 3.15 promise. It's the first mention of the gospel of God in the Bible. And God's telling Mary right there, I fulfill my promises. And so you've heard it prophesied. You've heard it shown. You've seen it shown. You've seen it in aspects of different people throughout the course of history. But Mary, we're going to kickstart this now because it's boots on the ground time. It's coming. That's what he was saying right there. That, that I'm sending one who's going to come to be light in the darkness. Who's going to dwell among you as one of you. And who's going to redeem mankind. It goes on to say, in verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how? How can this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Huh. I mean, just imagine taking that in. Like when Sarah first said that we, she, she was pregnant, I was like, wow. Like I was shocked and I knew what was going on. Like Mary's a 14-year-old virgin here. And she's trying to think. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, the Spirit of the living God will come and, and there'll be this immaculate conception that we call it. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. Talked about that last week. I don't know how old she was. Poor Elizabeth, that's what she gets known for. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. 
for nothing is impossible with God because the word of God will never fail. He didn't have to tell her about Elizabeth. Mary is going to find that out or had already found that. He didn't have to tell her, but he was setting her up saying, God can do anything. She's barren. Everybody knows she's barren. She's pregnant. Everybody's going to know she's pregnant because with God, anything can happen. It's possible, people. And Mary responded, beautiful response. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. You see, the goal for us today is, is, hey, let's let go. You know what that thing is that you're hanging on to, that you're clinging on to, that you're worried about, that you're just trying to figure out, that you're trying to think what to do with, that you don't understand how it's even going to come to, come to pass or, or work out or, or how you're going to deal with it or how you're going to figure it out or, or this world around you, what, all that, whatever that is. Let's let go. Let's let go. Let's let it go into his hands. See, it's one thing to let go and be like, I don't care anymore. It's another thing to go, hey, here, God, you, you, can, you can take care of this. I know you can because you've always only ever come through. That's your nature. That's your character. You've never failed me. You've never failed anybody I know. You've never failed anybody in the history of the planet. Your word is, is faithful. You are true. So if there's someone that I'm going to let it go to, let it be you. Because I'm trying to think how to deal with this, and I can't figure it out. Let go of those worries, those doubts, those concerns. Even let go of those things that, that aren't negative, but that matter so much to you, you're just trying to cling on to. Trying to grasp and hold on to something that, that gives me value or purpose or, or, or confidence. Just let it go. Let it go. Because if you're trying to lead it, you're going to fumble and stumble and bumble along the way. And it's going to be a, a bumpy journey. And God's like, let it go. And, and let me have it. Let me remove that burden from you because, because I can carry it for you. So the question that Mary asks is, she's standing there as a 14-year-old virgin, unmarried, is how do we get, how did we get here with what you just said from like, I'm over here as a 14-year-old virgin. How do we get to the point that I'm not only pregnant, but like with the coming Messiah? Like she's trying to wrestle with all this. She's trying to think and asking questions. In the, in the original Greek where it's written, that phrase trying to think or whatever it says in, in your version you're reading means to take an audit. So she's adding up the numbers and they're not equaling what she's hearing. If you've ever worked with, with accounting or math is your thing and you're doing an audit and you, 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 you add up and then it equals over here and it makes sense and she's adding up and it's like, there's no equal sign. It's all squiggly and, I don't, and there's lines through it blocking it. She can't figure it out while she's standing there talking to an angel who happens to probably be really glowing and like, I mean, I don't know, I always assume his voice is very booming, kind of like, I always assume he sounds kind of like a really loud Christopher, right? you know, just like this booming, rich, smooth voice. She's thinking it through and she's being rational, and that's not a negative, but she's doing what she knows to do, and, and it doesn't add up. So you bet she's confused and disturbed, as the NLT says it. And there's nothing wrong with us using our brains as we follow Jesus. He did create them. 
and give them to us and give us intellect and give us a mind and give us the ability to have critical thinking. Although, you know, sometimes there's not critical thinking that happens around us. Hello, 2020. But, okay, that's just sidebar. You can find me later and I probably shouldn't talk about it. But she's, she's wondering. And it's okay to wonder. The key is who we ask and who we wrestle with. If I go and ask some person who doesn't care about Christ, then I'm not going to get a Christ-centered answer. If I, care, if I go over here and I, and I wrestle with somebody who's not centered in the gospel, then it's not going to come out right. But like, if I'm wrestling with God in this and I'm asking God questions, that's going to keep me gospel-centered and Jesus-focused. And that's what we're all about here at Hill Country Fellowship. And so we don't just go, yeah, always say yes and don't ask any questions. No, it's not that. But, but let that push you to Christ. I mean, Mary was about to carry Christ, right? So she's letting it push her to the God that she knew, knew about. We don't even know how deep her relationship was with God. We all know that it got stronger. <laughs> she had, gives birth to the Son of God. But doubting is often a part of our life. It's... It's, it's a part of what I call the potter's wheel life. We're lumps of clay. Some of us are lumpier than others, right? And he, and he puts us on a, on a potter's wheel, and he's the craftsman, and he, he works that. I guess they do this. I've seen him, like, tap. I, I know nothing about clay, but I know they do something, and then it spins, right? And, and so he's working us, and it's spinning, and he's working. And, and he's working it to fashion us into something beautiful, but also working out the impurities, because if he just went like this and, and then like made a little hole for whatever it holds, well, there's going to be air pockets. So he's working out the stuff. So doubt is a part of him just working that stuff out, right? right? We stay on the potter's wheel. I don't go, hey, I'm done with you like, forming me. I'm going to just jump off the potter's wheel and, 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 and just walk on my own. He, he works us and he fashions us and he shapes us. The master craftsman is working out the impurities in your life and in my life because we have them. And, and so Mary's got some doubt here as she's standing there. And some doubt, it seeks answers like Mary. She's seeking answers from God. Some doubt causes us to come up with justifications and rationalizations like we talked about last week when Jeremy was talking about Zechariah. Well, his doubt was the other kind of doubt. It was like, yeah, but... I don't really buy into this God. That's really what he was saying. As the high priest who should have known better, he was saying, yeah, I'm not buying this right now. So it's like, okay, I'm not going to smite you or anything, but you're not going to talk for a while because you were talking wrong. You're not going to talk until he's born because his doubt led him to justify why God was wrong. Mary's doubt is going, I, I'm just trying to get there because I'm a 14-year-old virgin and this doesn't quite make sense. But then we see how she ends the story there. So how are you doing? How are you doing, Bill? Great. How are you doing, Joseph? How are y'all doing? Martin, how are you doing? We walk through stuff, right? Yeah. Struggling with any doubt? Struggling with any confusion these days? 
Not like necessarily sitting here as we just sang amazing Christmas songs and we realize that it, like all these beautiful hymns are talking about the coming Messiah and, and it's nostalgic and we love it and it's truth and it's lined up in the gospel and all that. But like, how are you doing on Monday morning? How are you doing when you read that article online from the Supreme Court? How are you doing with stuff around you? You disturbed at all? Anybody disturbed lately? Oh, come on! We're all disturbed lately, or we just woke up from 2019, right? A year ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's good. 3.1% unemployment. Going into Christmas a year ago, man, woo! And then 2020 comes, and there's disturbing that happens in our lives and in the world around us and in our care and our concern. How are you doing with trust? How are you doing trusting God? I trust God, I trust God, I trust God. But this is going on. I trust God, I trust God. Yeah, 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 I trust God. But I'm dealing with this, right? It's this potter's wheel moment where he's working stuff out. Still in his hands, but he's, there's, still a, there's some impurities there. Being fully honest with yourself. Before God who loves you with an unconditional, never-ending love. Everlasting what about your trust in him in what's coming? Stennis talked about hope. How are you doing in trusting in God during these days or in that situation in your life or in that situation with your loved ones or in, in this setting or in something in the future, the next four years? How are you doing trusting God there? It's hard sometimes. It can be tough. We see a great journey of faith here uh, in Mary's life, and these, just in these moments, right? From unbelief eh, to submission and trust. And I don't know, we don't know how long it took. If we read it, it just took seconds, but we don't know. She's probably like, that's pretty crazy, angel guy. I don't know how you got there. <laughs> to this place where she's like, okay, made this come true. Okay, it still looks like this to me, God, but may what you say to me and about me and about my family and about my nation come true. May this come to pass. Despite the worry or the fear, uh, you know, our life of faith says, I'll trust you without, without having every single thing work out exactly like I need to work out in my brain. I don't need everything answered in order to trust you. That's a biggie for a lot of people. I've, I've talked to a lot of people in my life as a, as a believer who, who are like, yeah, I, you know, when I'm talking to them about like ultimate salvation, knowing Jesus for the first time, it's, well, it, the, the facts don't line up perfectly for me. If I know all the facts and I believe them all, then I will follow Jesus. And it's like, there is an aspect of faith to faith. <laughs> and I don't say that mockingly, but like there's a step of faith we take in trusting in a God that we cannot see with our eyes but everything lines up and, 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 and really works out. If you, just, if you want to do the math, if you want to do the science, well, it all works out. But, but some people are still like, yeah, but I need him to like speak to me right here and right now. There's an aspect of faith. I don't have to have every answer answered in order to follow God. Like Pastor Dan says all the time, if I could explain God perfectly, he wouldn't be that big of a God. If Scott could explain him perfectly. It's just the reality. 
And, and so this life of faith says, I trust you without having to figure it all out. It's a good life. You call me to do things. It's, it's tough around me, but you're trustworthy. And that life of faith, it gives us what I like to, I like to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and, and, and it always gives me this, this belief that there's this spiritual gumption that we're called to live in, in, in 2 Corinthians 4, to, to walk forward in the midst of the stuff of life. That's always the easiest way for me to describe life that happens is the stuff of life comes. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 through, uh, what was it, 8 through 18? 8 through 18 tells us, Hey, here's your spiritual gumption moment. I love reading this. I think you can read it like poor, poor, pitiful me. Or you can read it with like, I'm, I'm reading this like I'm Braveheart or I'm Gladiator or I'm standing in the Lord of the Rings battlefield. Listen to what it says here. Paul writes, we are hard pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. They won't last very long. Yet they produce in us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Hope that is eternal. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Amen. To quote one of my favorite movies of all time, Hee Haw and Merry Christmas, man. <laughs> it is a wonderful life we get to live. And we could read it and go, we're pressed on every side. My troubles, but we're not crushed. We could read it that way, or we could read it the way it's written. You are victorious because Jesus wins the day. <laughs> we celebrated Christmas boots on the ground for Genesis 3.15. And it just set us up for that Easter celebration when it was won. At the cross, victory happened. It's not going to be victorious when he returns. That's just going to be the closing of this chapter. It was victorious on the cross. It's actually victorious when he was born because Herod tried to kill babies and get rid of Jesus and he couldn't stop him. He couldn't stop a baby from heaven. Is he going to stop you if you got the fullness of God dwelling in you? You are not driven to despair. I don't care what's happening in your life. And we learn a great principle of faith here with Mary in this story. Trust never comes until we surrender. Until surrender happens, trust never comes. 
I mean, let that soak in for a minute for all of us. I, I, was, ta- I was eating lunch with a friend of mine the other day. He's talking about, I was like, what's, what's the Lord showing you? He's like, surrender. I'm like, oh no, I think I'm going to be taught to here. And uh, he wasn't trying to teach me, but I was, he was teaching me. And, and he, he la- we had our meal and then he left. And, and I was praying and, and the Lord said, Scott, trust never comes in any of my followers' lives until they say, I surrender. I turn it over to you. Surrender. Surrender. Because we're born into a deeply selfish world that says, you figure it out. You're the, victor- you're the victorious one. You're the one that makes it happen. Hang on to it. Fight all who try to take it away from you. You, 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 and then some more you. That's the world we're born into. And God says, you want to learn trust? Turn it over to me. Because I'm the only one that's faithful and true. We are deeply prejudiced as human beings against anyone else being in charge of our own lives. Our flesh says, no, it's me, not you. You will not lead me and you will not lead me. That's what our flesh says. Because that's the world we're born into, the world of sin. So when Mary says, okay, I'm your servant, may it come to pass as you say it's going to happen. She's saying, I surrender I'll obey. I trust you. I'm 14 and I'm a virgin. But if you say that I'm going to carry the Son of God in my womb, may it be so. She surrendered her intellect. She did her audit. It didn't add up properly. And so she said, I trust you more than the audit I just did. She's grounding her faith in the reality that God is God. He created it all. He holds it all together. He's trustworthy and he's true. Reminds me of a story in Luke chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. A lot of you have heard this this story before. Uh, It's a famous one of uh, the the fishing story. And and so they're fishing, they're fishing, they're fishing, they can't get anything. And so Jesus appears to them on on the beach. And he tells them, hey, throw your net on the other side. And they're like, who's that beach guy talking to us fishermen? But at the same time, they recognized something. Kind of like Mary. They probably did an audit, and they, they landed where Mary did. And so Peter replies, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, Jesus. He didn't know it was Jesus, really. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. And they had to send a shout. They had to shout for help. Hey, we're getting too blessed here. Come on and get some of the blessing. That's a shout of help. It wasn't like, help us. It was like, come get some. We've met someone who told us what to do and it came to pass and it blessed us beyond anything we could ever do on our own. And their partners came in the other boat and soon the boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. They were so overwhelmed. Peter's basically saying, hey, it looks like this to me right here, right now, like, there ain't no fish biting or even swimming into nets right now. But if you say so, Jesus. So how are you doing with trust? How are you doing with trust right now? It looks like this, God. Here's what you're asking me to do. But it looks like this right now. So I'm struggling. But, but if you say so, if you say so, I'm going to go on your word and not on my assessment of the situation in my life. How are you doing with your, your heart 
committed fully to him? How are you doing with, with, with surrendering that, that struggle to him? How are you doing with, with that health issue or that relationship that looks like it's just about ready to, to have its final moment before it flushes down the toilet? How are you doing with that thing that, that is so hard to reckon right now? Do you hear Jesus saying, I'll take care of this, but you got to give it to me? And you might look at it and go, but, 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 but. And at the end say, but, if you say so. On the ground of your word, one version says, I love it. On the ground of your word, Jesus will do what you say. Because you're you. And I'm never going to be you. I only follow you. Are you willing to do anything that the Bible clearly says to do? Anything the Holy Spirit shows you to do? Are you willing to follow that? No matter what. No matter what. But they say, dot, 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 no matter what. Well, when, when it looks more like this, I'll, but the Bible says to do this. We really like this way now. It's, it's you know, we're, we've gotten used to our own way. Even though it says it here, we've kind of gotten used to our thing. Are you willing to follow this or follow you? You might have a temporary peace with the way you're following you, but that's only temporary. Eternal is in Christ alone. Are you willing to trust God in anything that he sends you to do or asks of you? Are you willing to trust God in anything that he sovereignly allows? I'm wrestling with that right now. God is sovereign. He's in control of everything. I know that. I don't doubt that at all. Sometimes I look around and go, well, okay, sovereign God, why are you or why aren't you? That's where I'm struggling right now as I look at my nation and I go, we got a better nation than, well, in my opinion, any other nation on earth. Yet still I'm going, but, but I, don't, I don't get it. I'm confused and disturbed and I'm trying to think. And yet he's saying, God, do you, or Scott, do you trust, trust it in my hands? If you say so, you're, you're in charge, God, you're sovereign. I trust this into your hands, so I will pray and I will contend for, but I'll also not stop sharing the gospel or living out the gospel, and I will not hide, and I will not hide my faith. But yet I still have to turn things over to you, God. Have you done an exhaustive audit in your life and it just doesn't add up, and you're like, ah, and he's saying, here's what I've said, and you, you do this audit, and then you're like, Okay, but because you say so, here you go. A number of years ago, I had this, I met this guy in Sri Lanka. I used to go to Sri Lanka on mission trips, and I met this guy named Pete, who became a very close friend of mine in my trips there, and went to one of the, one of the two main churches I would minister at. And uh, as I got to know him the first time, I spent a lot of time with him, and, uh, and he, he told me his story, how he'd gotten to Sri Lanka. He's from the Netherlands, worked for a giant... Uh, a flower company from the Netherlands. It was like transnationals, like all over the world. And, and so they had, he was in charge, uh, you know, from the Netherlands of all the growing in this part of Asia. Uh, Sri Lanka sits, it looks like a little teardrop on the, on the, the you know, bottom east coast of, of uh, India. It's great for growing basically anything. Uh, and so he was in charge. And so one of their big money makers was Sri Lanka. And, and he was climbing the ladder of success and, and I mean, it was looking good. He was probably two, three years away from the 
the VP of the company and the president was the, the son of the owner, so he's never going to get that, but he's going to get as high as he could. And uh, he was moving up the ladder and then God stirred on his heart to move to Sri Lanka and, and take over the, the operations there, which was a step, way step down. Like the, the ladder of success there was like a stepping stool, right? Uh, and, and, and like whoever shows up there at the top and they're done. But God started on his heart to move over there and take a cut and pay and live in a different lifestyle and third world country and then, and then never have any, any, any trajectory for success uh, on the ladder. But he followed God. He went there. And then one day, as he's there and, and he's a part of this amazing church that I'm a part of that, that, that I like to minister with, uh, they, they had planted some churches up north. Well, they'd had a, they were in the midst of what would end up being a 26-year civil war in Sri Lanka, so the... The, the Hindu terrorist group known as the Tamil Tigers uh, were trying to infiltrate and create their own nation, and, and they were known as terrorists. If you ever study them, they were definitely a terrorist organization, bombings, killings, just murder, wherever they could. Uh, and so that happened up north uh, for the most part, and so we'd planted some churches up there and would, would fund them and go in and out a little bit, and it was, the UN was kind of uh, telling people they don't need to be there anymore because it's too dangerous. And, and in the midst of this one night in his room, he had sold a, a four-bedroom home in the Netherlands uh, on the water for a, a one-bedroom uh, apartment in, in the middle of uh, the city in Sri Lanka. Uh, and this angel appears to him and says, go north to Jaffna, resign, and be a minister of the gospel. And, and he sits up and he's like, but that's no job, death, and uh, more, less comfortable than I already am in. And he said, the angel just said, I'm calling you to go. So he resigned and he went. And so I met him as he was in his second year up there uh, in the midst of what would end up being another three, four years of civil war uh, up there. And so he, he goes from stepping down the ladder of success, moving to Sri Lanka to to then stepping into a dangerous situation that everyone called insane except for the, the believers around him. His family thought he had lost his mind and they were trying to get him into a mental clinic uh, in Japan. Um, and he's living amongst the Tamil Tigers, which is the terrorist organization. In fact, when he went up there, initially, like the first month he was at this church, and then he's like, God's actually called me to move into the villages of the Tamil Tigers, so I'll see you all in heaven. Is basically what he said. He's like, smile, I'll see you on heaven. And he'd been serving there for years. And, and they loved him. And I remember asking him as, as we, we'd go up there, and we, of course the, the, the first time I went, I got to see him, and the second time we couldn't even get past the, the, the military zone there. The third time I went back, the Civil War had ended after 26 years, and, and so we went back to help uh, replant crops, and it's just like trees burned down, and you know everything bombed, and it was just destroyed after 26 years. And, and, and we went to this place called Jaffna, which is way north, and I remember I was like, Pete, so, so how are you doing, man? Like, this is a crazy life you live. And, and he said, nothing in life has ever compared to this. I used to bring flowers to different parts of the world. Now I bring hope and peace that's eternal. Amen. He goes, he goes what, what could compare, man? And I'm like, yeah. And, and I thought, I hope I don't get called to that. But, <laughs> but at the same time, if I did, I would. What do you need to turn over to God right now? What do you need to let go of? 
Following Jesus, the Christian faith we're called to live. It's not some negotiation and contract where I tell God what I need in this, in this setting. It's, it, it's, the, it's me surrendering and taking my hands off of the situation and trusting it into a, a God who is faithful and true. He wants to teach me how to live out incredible trust in Him. He wants to teach you how to step into trust. He's fully trustworthy. He didn't have to prove himself to us. But he knows that we're on the potter's wheel. So he wants to grow us into that. Looking back at that 2 Corinthians 4 passage that we, that we looked at, that, that, that beautiful way that Paul writes about this life we live. Looking at my buddy's story. Man, troubles and suffering, they refine us like gold. They make us pristine and beautiful and glorious. It, it shines Jesus all the brighter in our lives. It makes us more valuable because uh, when the master craftsman is working out all the impurities, well, we're, we're created pure by the master craftsman himself. So whatever vessel he fashions out of your life and out of my life, it's, it's perfect and pure. He presents it to the world. He crafts you and I to give us to the world. Dennis was talking about it earlier, that, that we live this life so we can give Jesus away. We, we don't jump off the potter's wheel and we don't take control. We, we need Jesus to fashion us and shape us. I mean, look at Mary. Back then, this 14-year-old, nobody from nowhere, basically, just a normal person, gets pregnant out of wedlock, <laughs> facing a lifetime of gossip. I mean, can you imagine that even... Even when she had Jesus and, and she's married to Joseph, you know there were people like, hey, do you know the real story about this situation? You know they were doing that. Because humans do that. It looks all good now. And she says, he's the son of God too, so what do you do with that? I mean, those are the kind of things that she had to deal with her whole life. A nobody, basically from nowhere, basically, who's a 15-year-old, out-of-wedlock, uh, pregnant person. And because she surrendered and humbled herself and stepped into incredible trust, she's probably the most famous woman in the history of the world. Amen. I mean, everybody knows who Mary is. Now, they don't always know the real story. Or they deify her, and she's not. But, but she's the most famous person in the world because she said, I don't quite get this, but may it be so. May it come to pass like you said. So how about you right now? What do you need to submit to? What, what do you need to surrender to God? Or where do you need to surrender? And go, I, I, I'm, I'm not in charge anymore. What needs to be turned over to God in your life right now? How about the ultimate surrender? Anybody in here or online or you're listening on K-Bay and, and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus? Like you've never put your heart into his hands fully? And said, I believe in you, and I will follow you, and I'll trust you as my Lord and Savior. Because that's the ultimate place to start. It, if it doesn't start there, it ends one day forever. But he is trustworthy and true, and you're not going to figure him out before you follow him, and you're not going to figure him out fully after you follow him. It's a journey. We live on the potter's wheel, but one day... There's a place being crafted right now by God himself that one day we will be forever and his kingdom will never end and there'll never be a tear or grief or pain or sorrow. We do have that right now, but we are not destroyed or in despair. 
But it starts somewhere by going, I'm placing my life into your hands. I believe in you and I will follow you. Romans 10 tells us we have to believe it in our hearts and confess it with our mouth. And if we call on him, we'll be saved. So if anybody's here or listening and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, it's got to start right there with the ultimate surrender. And you can do that right now. Just say, Jesus, I choose to follow you. I believe in you. And you will be saved. How about a recommitment? Anybody in here, just, you've been struggling? You've, been, you've just been walking on, sitting on the sidelines or, or walking uh, you know, way over here and you're, just, you're, you're not fully following God? You're not fully committed to him. And, and today you'd say, hey, I want to make a full recommitment to follow Jesus today. You can do that. That's surrender too. There's the ultimate surrender of following him for the first time. But there is a surrender we make all the time. You're the Lord. You're my Lord. You're my Lord. Every day I turn it over to you. And sometimes we lose our way. And Jesus wants to bring us back home like the prodigal son. Come home. Come to your senses and come home. Does anybody need to turn their life over to him today and go, I want to recommit, rededicate, confirm that I'm following him today? How about taking that situation? How about taking that issue, that struggle, and just placing it in the Father's hands to relieve you of the burden of trying to figure it out yourself? Who needs to just place it in his hands right now, today? Whatever that is. Our greatest motive for surrendering to God, for submitting to God, should always be that we, we love him for, for how much he loves us and what he did for us. It should never be to get something out of it. It should be, I love you because you did this for me and in my life. Jesus became one of us to save all of us. Isn't that beautiful? Would you stand with me right now? We're going to worship one more time. We're going to actually worship him with a song that declares what we believe. It declares the full story of God and what we walk in and live in. This God who was born a human to die for the sins of every person ever, just to buy us back. He's trustworthy. And whatever it is you need to turn over to him today, the altars are going to be open if you need to come up here and just surrender in that way. If you need to surrender where you are, I encourage you to take these moments and say, Lord, what do I need to give to you today? And maybe you know it. You just say, Lord, here's what I give over to you. And for everyone else, if you don't know it right now, just during this song, just say, Lord, what, what do I need to turn over to you in my life or in, in my belief or in my struggle? What audit do I need to set aside and go, may it be so, may it be so. These altars are open for you and at the end of the service, there'll be a prayer team that can pray for you and encourage you and stand with you and that would be an amazing thing. But let's pray and let's worship this God who's worthy of our worship. Father, we come before you today and I'm so grateful that you are so faithful. I cannot imagine a life that all banked on me doing it. I can't imagine a hopeless and purposeless existence where it was all on my back. I am so thankful that I get to turn it all over to you. And Lord, right now in this room and online and on the radio, anybody's listening, whoever hears these words, I pray that you help us to have a moment of a conversation with you saying, Lord, what is it that I'm hanging on to that I need to submit to you and surrender to you and turn over into your hands and trust you? Lord, help us 
to step into a journey of incredible trust that grows and grows and grows until that day when you call us home. You are trustworthy and true, full of life and hope and grace. And we place into your hands right now. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit our media page on hcfburnett.org and follow us on social media. God bless and have a great week.